this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Hello and welcome to a very special podcast looking at the best of 2020. It's our 100th episode and we're going to be recapping 12 months of cinema going and home viewing in a year unlike any other. Porky, you doing okay? Good, yeah. Kind of glad to see the end of 2020. But has been a very good year for film. I think so. I think so. So first of all, to set the scene, this past year has seen the film industry change fundamentally. And depending on who you talk to, it's either skipped years of change or it's just rewritten the rule book for what film cons- consumption now looks like. So at the start of the year, we actually had close to maybe 10, maybe nine or 10 weeks of a relatively functional cinema industry until mid-March when uh, Pork was over in my house and we were filming, or sorry, recording uh, a podcast and all of a sudden Leo Varadkar comes on TV from America and says, it's coming. Yeah. There is no limit to what we can do and so on. Anyway, we're here now um, in late December. Uh, so this year we've all been seeing films together um, in different ways. Yeah, and we're just got word of a new potential uh, strain of COVID, so it feels like we potentially have another lockdown. And with a vaccine coming. on the yeah, I feel like we're in the we're in the uh, the Return of the King version of the pandemic, where we felt it was ending, and actually there's about four endings to go. And um, so <laughs> yeah, so once that happened in March, everything started being about what streaming services you subscribe to, whether you'd entertain the idea of downloading and streaming new, shall we say, art house cinema at home. Um, would you pay big money for blockbusters or would you be just happy with whatever is presented to you alongside the box sets on the um, subscription VOD services that people have? Try not to use any Yeah, it kind of has. It has been a massive year for streaming and I definitely think that will be the biggest thing that kind of has changed. It's very much been in the background for the last couple of years, but it's really come to the fore now. And having looked at some of these films that are on our lists, I imagine we will have seen them at home and... It kind of would lead you to believe like, oh, yeah, maybe I will watch that at home because I don't really need to see that in the cinema. Now, I, I kind of would agree if you can see it in the cinema, go because it's it's always enhanced more so from a point of view of like there's no distractions. There's no pausing your phone or, you know, going to the, you know, have oh, I'll have a cup of tea. Oh, someone's called in or I'll watch it in the morning. Yeah, it gives you a dedicated time to view a film. So definitely cinema is king, but I think there is a there is room for some streaming. Yeah, it fundamentally probably, it, it gives this new option, right? So certain particular kinds of films, and you might think about who the audience is that you want to watch that with is. Is it with, a, you know, a partner, housemate, or family? Or do you actually want to watch it with strangers and have a bit of energy and excitement and tension in the room? Like, you know, this year actually, I don't know what's in your list, but horror films actually, a couple of them actually came out and did well and have ended up in lists and stuff and I think when I was weighing them up I was like god I would have just loved to see them in a like in a room with a couple of hundred other people um and I think m- when I look at my list like the when I was weighing up what goes in it's not necessarily just the rating you give a film at the end because obviously you can just automate that you can if you've rated films through the year using you know IMDb or Letterboxd or whatever but actually I was looking for the stuff that actually kind of moved me and left some sort of a an imprint on my emotional yeah. <laughs> intelligence through the year. So, I mean, in previous years, I've only ever had films that I'd seen in the cinema, I think. Um, but this year, obviously, that was different. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. Do, 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 do you want to kick off? Will I start? What we're going to do, for anyone who hasn't heard a, a Spool podcast end-of-year wrap-up, um, we tend to just sort of, we both have a 10 
um, a list of 10 films. We count them down backwards. We don't know what the other person has. We might have an idea. There's always a few um, curveballs in previous years. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Do you want to... Will I go first or do you want? So I think what we could do is... Um what Nigel usually does and I give out to him, he has like a top 50 and he's like, That's this true. is like, this is also what made it. And I was like, this is nonsense. But as I was reviewing my list uh, this year, I was like, this is actually like, I can't remember a year where there's been so many contentions to be like, oh, well, that could be in my top 10 or that could, could be. be in my top 10. Yeah. So I have a small list of also rants. Um, I just kind of breeze down through them. I imagine Nigel has a similar list. I have, yeah. Mine is probably a bit shorter than your one. Yeah. Because I actually was harder. So, uh, the film that Nigel mentioned that we saw kind of post-lockdown, The King of Staten Island, um, really like that. It's on YouTube, uh, if anyone wants to watch it. It's only a fiver. Yeah, Pete Pete Davidson, you watch it in my house. It was very long. But that lended itself to watching at home, because it's a comedy. Exactly, yeah, you can kind of sit into it. Uh, Redemption of a Rogue was one of the films I caught at uh, the Galway Film Flat, remotely. Uh, stars Aaron Monaghan and um, really really good loved it uh, it technically I said it'll get a release early next year I've seen it come up in trailers uh, for you know Irish films and stuff so and what's that called Redemption Redemption of, of a Rogue, Rogue. Okay. Uh, Tenant uh, really liked it disappointed that I didn't get it to see it a second time I was hoping the IFI would maybe bring it back for a short run but maybe in the new year because I still haven't seen it on 70 mil which I would like I'd like to go deaf watching it like uh, so you can rent that on YouTube if you want for 20 euro there you go that's a bit high can uh, you watch it backwards is there <laughs> could be there a was feature. an opportunity there yeah. to do a few different edits on that uh, a film that might be in your top 10 uh, I'm thinking of ending things uh, nearly it's also in my also ran list I okay, really yeah. I'll tell you about it in a sec yeah so that's on Netflix for anyone to watch uh, yes god yes uh, quite a recent watch uh, also available on Netflix brilliant film really really funny and it's like 85 minutes long so it's kind of perfect uh, Wolf Walkers only caught this recently uh, really liked it uh, really lovely story great animation um, loved the way they did the guards in it kind of reminded me of like Yellow Submarine and the Blue Meanies or there's something kind of blocky about certain parts of the animation that I really liked uh, Rialto uh, another one that caught a Galway film fly. Are you just saying that because you live in Rialto in Dublin? No, no, it's very good. And there's very little about Rialto in it. Um, so that's actually, I had a quick look. That seems to be coming out on St. Stephen's Day in the Lighthouse. So if anyone wants to catch it there on the big screen. Uh, Dick Johnson is Dead. Watched this the other day. Uh, it's on Netflix. Very good. Very funny. Uh, it's a documentary about a daughter makes it about her father who's got Alzheimer's and she kind of stages funny things where she pretends he's died in horrible ways. Uh, it's very funny, quite poignant. And then Onward, which is on Disney Plus, uh, totally passed me by when it was on cinema. Quite a nice story. So it, Yeah, and it was one that was, did it come out for like a week in the spring, the yeah. midterm uh-huh. break. And then it was still there when they reopened and they had to, you know. Yeah, so those are kind of my also rands this year uh, but also quite a solid b list i think hi yeah just on the onward thing onward is not in my list because i haven't seen it but um the new pixar one is soul, soul is all there for christmas day it's been on loads of lists already okay yeah. i don't i didn't think anyone would have seen it but obviously some people have yeah. gotten a preview of it but it's um 
it's Christmas Day, isn't it? I think. Yeah, 25th. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so still to see it. So it's not in contention. And I haven't gotten to Wonder Woman yet. I'll go to the cinema and see that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wondered why. I don't I think wondered. it would need to be in the list. Why is it not in the lighthouse? Do they have a row with Warner Brothers or something? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I would have felt they could have gone a bit wider with it. Maybe just bring, maybe just bring the wrong kind of people in. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't have as many um, maybes in mine. But uh, Miranda July's Kajillionaire. Um, is there? Did you get to see it? Oh, I did. Oh, so it might be in your ten. Okay, uh, Charlie Kaufman's. I'm thinking of ending things, which uh, Pork already mentioned. Sophia Coppola's On the Rocks. Uh, Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, uh, just in a kind of father daughter film, which I think was was really good. Um, and then Rocks, which is on Netflix from um, British director Sarah Gavron. Which it's uh, on my to watch list. Yeah, I, I saw it very up in yeah, a few end of year really Good. Um, Good, good uh, film about a teenage girl who kind of has to mind her younger sister, I think, after her mum kind of just disappears and like this kind of gritty social realism kind of thing. But the reason I kind of weighed up between it and another film that's not 100 miles from it in terms of British cinema, which is my number 10 seg- segue into it, uh, which is Lynn and Lucy. So it's a gritty Kitchen Sink, uh, British drama from um, a filmmaker making uh, his first film, Faisal Balufa, who I'd never heard of, but um, he'd done lots of shorts, apparently. Came out in the summer and was one of those that you'd hear about on podcasts throughout the summer, but our cinemas remained closed. So um, it, uh, it's a story of a friendship um, collapsing, uh, two women in their 30s, one of whom has a teenage daughter who obviously had that uh, daughter when she was really young and then her best friend who has just had a kid and they're both in bad relationships they're both coming kind of from poverty but um you know they've got each other's back and then tragedy strikes and their friendship kind of collapses as um lynn has to kind of you know it she transforms a bit through the film as her confidant her best mate but then all of a sudden she gets a job like in a hairdresser and suddenly becomes a bit of a gossip and lets her friend down but then maybe for good reason and all that but it's just very good solid you know when you're watching a good gritty british film um a few years ago uh i think we had stuff like a selfish giant in there some of those uh that kind of gritty kind of uh and is it anywhere is it available anywhere to watch yes so it's uh this is the one thing we've both reminded each other that we have to mention in the podcast today where these films are so lynn and lucy is available on the sky store bfi player um i think it's another one on youtube it's it's out there um for um for rent and and purchase so not on the ifi player or volta which i continue to be a bit baffled by what's going to be where they are. in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. I know the iFi player is, has grown immensely from where it started, but yeah. What's your uh, number 10? My number 10 is a film from way back in January called Queen and Slim. Oh yeah. That could nearly have been in my, my yeah. list. Didn't get to see it in the cinema though. So, uh, yeah. Really saw it in the it. cinema, really right. liked it. Um, don't know if it got much award buzz kind of at the time. Seems to mi- have missed out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by uh, Melania Matsukas and it stars uh, David Kaluuya who plays Slim and Jodie Turner-Smith who plays Queen. And uh, it starts really uh, innocently. They're kind of on a first date um, in a, you know, mom and pop kind of restaurant having different conversations about uh kind of being black in america in the current day and then it all kind of goes wrong when they are pulled over by a cop they then have to go on the run and then it turns into this almost like 
Thelma and Louise road movie where they're just constantly ahead of the police. Their story garners uh, notoriety in the media and it becomes a thing where the whole country is talking about it, where you have people who are for them, against them. As the year went on, it became, I think, more and more uh, prescient. prescient, you know. Good word. Um, and really, really enjoyable. Just great performances in it. Uh, definitely one that's kind of stuck with me over the year, even though I saw it back in January and uh, would would probably watch it again over the break now. Really, really enjoyable. Uh, and it's available on YouTube to rent. I used YouTube for the first time this year for films. Over Halloween, I was just like, you can't get, I can't find these. And I'm kind of, it's just nice to pay like a fiver. And, and then, it works, yeah, no. And it, you know. yeah, it supports everything yeah. and yeah you're yeah. you're a convert no dodgy no dodginess here but look i think no. we've always said that if you give people it's like with music streaming no one liked downloading a, a zip file of for an album like there once the, a product like spotify or deezer or whatever was presented to people as an easy way to legitimately support an industry people yeah. adopted it so i think we've we've sped we sped things up a little bit where the film industry has kind of realized oh okay actually people will go down this route if if legit ways are presented to them mm-hmm. um but yeah um my number nine is a horror film relic so i don't think you haven't seen relic. this yet you... but i've seen it come up in a lot of people's lists yeah, yeah so this is on ifi at home oh cool or uh not ifi player that's a different product i realize that's the archive free service I only noted that. Uh, so IFI at home, and it's another one that's on the Google Play Store, YouTube, and all those places. So I mentioned on a previous podcast where um, I wasn't sleeping great in the autumn. Or I, actually, I was sleeping really well. I was just waking up really early. Maybe that's a better way. When you tell people, I'm not sleeping great, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm tired. I go to sleep. But then I wake up, it's like 5 a.m. So um, one of these days, just after the clocks had changed around Halloween, um, I was up at about 5am and I was like, ah, I might just watch something. So I decided to watch uh, the la- I'd watched a start of, of, um, of this the e- previous evening and then I was like, I'll just finish it. Anyway, it's an Australian horror film. Um, it combines worries about caring for parents and grandparents, the effects of dementia and a big old haunted house in the countryside. So Emily Mortimer plays... Um, a daughter who is kind of trying to hold the family together, but just how they do the haunted house thing is very good. Like the house itself becomes kind of a physical terror, like scary space as it kind of closes in and rooms and you, you lose sense of where you are in it. But the, the scariest part of it all is the fact that dementia is kind of hanging around the back of it. And um, I'm getting Babadook vibes off it. Yes. No? Yeah. 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 A similar tone. Like it's, mm. it's serious horror. Now I, I, I didn't get to see The Invisible Man because, again, I wanted to see that in the... Is that on your list? No, actually, no. it was very good, but it was... Um, I, I see it's come up in lots of people's lists. Yeah. But it was almost like an enjoyable experience, which is kind of weird. It, it's so tense watching it where I was just like, I'm really glad well, this, this is this over. This year, yeah, I think <laughs> you're you're right. Like that, that at the beginning of Relic, it's not enjoyable to watch. And like the the the, ga- the PS4 um, game that has won loads of awards this year is The Last of Us Part Two, which is just basically a cinematic experience. But it's about life years after like a pandemic has kind of ravaged everyone and you know they've kind of got zombies and it's brutal and violent and like most of the criticism for that game came from the fact that this isn't what society needs now we need to be a bit kinder a bit more gentle a bit more uh, fantasy so anyway that's relic and that's uh available on in all those places to rent that's my number nine so my number nine um 
I know will be on your list. So I suppose we can just talk about it and then you can chime in when word pops up on your list. Uh, so number nine for me is never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, saw this. It's available, I'd say, at the moment on Sky. Now, now TV, now movies. Uh, that's how I was able to catch it. So it's directed by uh, Eliza Hitman. And it kind of tells the story of Autumn, who's played by, um, I can't remember her name, Flanagan is her surname? Sydney. Sydney Flanagan. Um, and it's... Flanagan uh, spelt wrong, by the way, just to... Yeah, F-L-A-N, I was like, when the, when the credits came up, I was like, was she Irish? Can we claim One of her? these Yankee Doodle translations. Yeah. And her good. friend Skylar, who's played by uh, uh, Tyler Ryder. Um, so it's uh, it's really low key film. Um, Autumn uh, finds out that she's pregnant, uh, wants to have an abortion, and she realizes the state that she's in doesn't uh, allow it. Um, so she's going to have to go to New York. So and she's I, not necessarily that young, right? She's, she's no, 17? I'd say she's seventeen potentially. Yeah, she's just shy of eighteen because if she was to go, sorry, so she is able to have an abortion where she is, but she would have to get parental consent. Oh yeah, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So she's like, I'm not doing that. So she goes to New York, and uh, they kind of take the bus, go. It's and then it's kind of you see the the practicalities of the the procedure and kind of she finds out when she gets there not to give too much away that like it's not going to be as straightforward as she seems so then she kind of has to stay in New York for longer than she thinks so you kind of get this quite bleak um depiction of how while it's available how difficult it is to get this procedure and uh you know which how there's a strong argument that if she is a minor mm. maybe that's yeah, you know, it it leaves it really open. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. There's way, no but. kind of, uh, and that's what it's just quite a simple. Like, here's a story. Uh, yeah. uh, we're big fans of America, so kind of you get to see the like the loneliness and bleak side of it when there's big fans of America. We all are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah oh, you like America? I, I no problem. I just was <laughs> I was fact checking the sentence just to yeah. check. Yeah. Um. So really enjoyed it. Quite low key. Uh, great performances by everyone. Uh, quite a small cast. And yeah, also one of the best reveals of a title because I'm kind of like, this is such a lot. It's kind of reminded me of like Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Yeah. And I was like, that was another great reveal of a title. And uh, so it's about halfway through the film that you get that reveal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is in my list. So I'll uh, mention it later when I get to it. But yeah, I definitely agree with all that. Mm. Um, For me, it's one you mentioned in your also ran. So Dick Johnson is dead. Um, It's the only doc in my top 10. Uh, I I think when I was going down to everything, Um, the last dance would be in there, but it's not, you know, that's a TV series, the Michael Jordan, but I was going through lists of stuff I'd watched that I was given the big marks to, and that was there. So, um, so it's a bit tied into Relic when I was thinking about the whole, I went through like a 10 day period of watching three films around, or maybe not, I watched them over the course of a couple of weeks maybe, but around dementia. So one was a Jack Charlton documentary, Finding Jack Charlton, that spends time with the Irish, former Irish football manager in the kind of latter stage of his life when his family and him are dealing with dementia. And then the other is Relic as well. So I went through a weird phase there of, which kind of when you don't, maybe you we're not spending as much time dementia? with. No, more so, but when you're not spending as much, it's all dealt with in a like parental sense. So as an adult with an adult parent, um, and we're not seeing parents this year, resonates. But no, all of this swings around your head. I don't have, I'm not living with anyone with with um, with, with, with dementia directly or anything. So um, it's a really, it's a really sweet film, I thought. 
Yeah, and it's all well-meaning and everything. It's just very hard to... to, to it's, it's really hard to sell. Because I was writing down, like, um, the camera person director, Kristen Johnson, has a lot of fun with her father. He's a psychologist, and he's diagnosed with it, but he wants to have, you know, to make something a bit fun yeah. and make a mark. And the one thing digging in, apparently her own grandmother died in a car, in a crazy car wreck, so possibly his father, or her, uh, his mother. Was that my, no, I read it was that. his wife's um, mother. Ah, okay, right. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, the mother, Dick Johnson's wife, had died of dementia as well, mm-hmm. which I just thought that was so... There was one little nod to that where... Um, Kristen Johnson who has hours and hours and she did a film Camera Person from a few years ago which is is really good that just all her footage she put it into this big montage mm. um, uh, made the me... scene where she's walking down the stairs yeah, and she's like oh this is where mom kind of died and then uh, that's some of the only footage I have of her and you're like oh that's terrible I need mm. to go and film footage of people and capture yeah. these like people when they're well able to so when I was saying in my ulcerans kind of she stages then these kind of funny ways where he could die and stuff but like I kind of gasps out loud because then he goes that they talk about her falling down the stairs and then he falls down the stairs <laughs> yeah. and I was like oh Jesus he's falling down the stairs and I was like oh no right that's a staged thing so, I've been um, played I've been played yeah. so a very hard film to categorise but a, a really good warm well-meaning film and the yeah. scenes with, with funerals later on that are that ca- will catch you out and they're fantastic and um that's on Netflix. So that's called Dick Johnson is Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, will I mix it up? I'll just jump right into my number seven. Um, why not? Oh, no, wait. Have you done your eight yet? No, I haven't done my Go eight. Ahead. Uh, I don't know if it's on your... I can't remember if it's in your all surrounds or it might be on your list. Uh, the Five Bloods. Not uh, in my list, but I did enjoy it. But yeah. yeah. You kind of alerted me to this. You were like, um, I watched this film on Netflix. It's kind of mad. I think you'll love it. And uh, I did. So it's from Spike Lee and uh, I went back through his catalogue and I haven't been a big fan of Spike Lee's recent films. Clansman was good, I thought, but the end of it was just, I, I thought there was a lot wrong with that. There's film. a lot of style. Yeah. Uh, but Maybe The Five Bloods, to me, I think is his best film since 25th Hour, which came out in 2002. So his best film in 18 years, you know, put that in the poster. Uh, really enjoyed it. It's about four African-American uh, vets who are returning to Vietnam to get the remains of one of their colleagues who died. But then as it kind of goes on, won't really give anything away. It turns into much more. Oh, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. Also, it was a big commentary on America again in the present day and during the Vietnam War. When you were saying like Dick Johnson is the only documentary, there's lots of documentary elements in this whereby they kind of put in figures from african-american figures from history and from the war the whole role that like african-americans played in the war um so yeah really really enjoyable kind of just a bananas film and yeah really really loved it kind of was surprised and again like it came out on netflix um i feel if it like to me it's way better than clansman and stuff like this but it didn't have that Release it also came release. out in the summer when we didn't really know what the new way of talking about these things was. Mm-hmm. I remember it was one of the first ones, wasn't it? In like June, maybe. Yeah. So it's kind of disappointing, I think. Um, yeah. So but I don't it's know. In it might... the awards conversation. Yeah. For, so that for would be good. Reason. Also starred um, Chadwick Boseman, who has since passed away. Uh, oh, got to see. Ma Rainey's yeah the other any night. good I haven't watched it yet uh, it's decent kind of watching it I was like this really looks like a play and then at the end it's based on a play from the 1980s uh, very good kind of a 
daft thing at the end, which I just think is like, that's just an absolute, like, there's no reason for that to happen. Um, but no, very enjoyable, great performances from Chadwick. Um, so yeah, kind of enjoyed that. So that's good. my number eight, The Five Bloods, which you can see on Netflix. Very good. And then I'm trying to think, yeah, didn't Spike Lee also do the David Byrne American Utopia concert film that is has just come out this week, but I feel um, that's okay. meant to be very good. Right. And just a capture of that gig but i haven't seen it and you haven't seen it but no. i think it means he's actually had a very good year amidst all the other stuff but even in interviews in the summer um i remember listening i was painting our front wall when he was doing an interview back in june and he was like i'm never going to the cinema until this whole thing is gone like he was you know the way the the industry didn't know how to talk about the theatrical experience he was just like no i'm not going near anything i'm staying you know he actually was very he was like no the, the netflix has saved the fact that this is on netflix has saved it because if he was trying to put a film out theatrically and then he said he would have sort of he alluded to the fact he'd struggle with having to do that to put people in danger by going oh, to the right. cinema. Okay, that's you know, good. like so there's a weird yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Netflix paid him to say that. Um okay, so my number seven is Wolfwalkers. So um the only Irish one in my te- in my top ten uh, this year. I was trying to work out can I justifiably say I don't think I'm qualified enough to to be able to say, but I don't think it's been a good year for the Irish film industry. I don't think we necessarily had, was there much out? I just mean, I don't mean, I, I, think I just mean in terms of volume. It's been very tough, but I think it's been so quiet. That's, solid films, like, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I'm trying to say by that. That yeah. like we, It wasn't like they just kept the churn of stuff and the bigger um, studios learned to put stuff out on bigger platforms. They possibly need a bit of cinema presence. So Wolfwalkers, I came out in England around... Uh, late October and our cinemas then like announce uh, or maybe early November and then yeah. our cinemas are like we're closed now for six weeks so like it never got that Irish kind of pizzazzy premiere or anything like that and um, I saw it at what I think was technically the Irish premiere at the Cork Film Festival in early November and they did like the Zoom Q&A kind of thing and it was just you know for a film that is probably going to go on and win lots of awards and get lots of recognition internationally it's just a pity that um there wasn't a bit more fuss about the whole thing. Um, did you see it in the cinema? Saw it in the Good. cinema. Yeah. yeah, so it was great. Kind of get the whole the big picture. And uh, yeah, as I kind of was saying. Some earlier. good red-haired icons in there. Yeah, yeah. Really loved the animation. Tough of, like, depiction of Cromwell, though. I thought he was like, isn't he in there and all those? <laughs> pretty those much lads. your man is that guy. Yeah. <clears throat> so a tough one. But um, that's in whatever Irish cinemas are are still open and functional and UK cinemas and on Apple TV. I knew very little about the story. So when it started and uh, there was a small blonde haired girl talking with an English accent, I was like, have they gotten an English person to voice the characters in this? What is going on? Oh, and Sean Bean's in it too, who I friendly hate. But uh, he does good voice acting. We're basically playing a weirdly similar character to... Arias, like in Game of Thrones, where he has that kind of father daughter. Yeah. Uh, no, very enjoyable too. Yeah, kind of nearly missed out in mine. Um, that was your number seven. Yeah. Will I tell you my six? No, or I'll go with my seven. I'm, I'm I don't know if it's on your list at all. Our producer, uh, 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 yeah, producer in my ear is telling me just to hold back yeah. that I'm so excited to get it's to one. It's one of the annoying ones Take where it almost feels like a film from last year because it's won loads of awards. It's, you know, but, and the way uh, release dates fall. And it was really annoying, this film, because it came out so early in other regions and then came out so late here. Uh, Parasite. Parasite is my, my number six. I was oh, going to try to say it at the same time as you. So let's both talk at the same time. Yeah. 
so annoyingly as well well not annoyingly uh, it's available on Amazon Prime which I don't have a subscription for so that's where you can watch and it and Volta you can rent it oh, great. as well yeah it's, yeah it's out there Yeah. so maybe you can get that you know month free subscription to Prime and then cancel it and get some films in um, yeah like it's very hard to kind of talk about this and you know not everything say something. has been said exactly yeah. like there's been hour and a half long special podcasts dedicated solely to this film it did come out in black and white which I think was interesting. It's always interesting when yeah, a film I feels like didn't really Mad Max that, had like, that as well, where yeah. they felt, oh no, it's it's a different kind of story in black and white. Um, yeah, great story. Uh, Bong Joon Ho directed it, uh, won the best director and best film. First kind of you know in inverted commas foreign film to win. Uh, well, not best English film. language. Yeah, um, and it just kind foreign. of we don't say foreign anymore. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, it kind of contrasts the Park family with the kind of Per Kim family. And um, yeah, kind of that brilliant uh, Korean style film where you're kind of like, this is kind of good. You know, it's very well acted. And what's, you know, why is this getting such the plot? It's, and then halfway through, it just goes absolutely bananas. And you're like, oh, OK, I see this. There's so many subtleties in it um, that I kind of only learned after listening and reading articles about it. So another one that I think I'll catch over the break, rewatch maybe. Yeah. And amazing that it actually won the Academy Awards and like Donald Trump started giving out about it. And yeah, remember that? And he said Gone with the Wind would be a better more of those kind of films yeah whatever that means um all right that's my 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 number six you may tell me your number six now oh my number six is uh the lighthouse uh got to see this another one kind of from did the i start see of this the in the lighthouse cinema with you or if i imagined a memory i think so uh i think i saw it with you in the lighthouse oh cinema. cool yeah in Do my head memory I of seeing it with other in people? my head i saw it by myself but i don't know we could have seen it together yeah yeah, um, very enjoyable. Uh, Robert Eggers directed. Might be mixing it up with Bait, which was the other weird. Oh, I saw that a second time with you. Yeah, so I might people. have merged yeah. those memories. I think I saw the lighthouse with you. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, stars Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe as uh, lighthouse keepers. Well, Willem Dafoe is more so the lighthouse keeper, and Robert Patterson is his skivvy. So black and white, uh, very weird. Uh, they kind of go for like a four week stint on uh, this lighthouse very kind of harsh conditions uh, Willem Dafoe kind of gets into the lore that seagulls are other you know seamen or naval people who are reincarnated and uh, quite intense very funny at times uh, beautifully shot and uh, it's black and white don't know if it was 4-3 ratio can't remember I like to think it is and um, yeah really enjoying the boat performances it's on youtube but it's also on sky movies so um another one i might try keep trying to get convince lisa to watch it but she's not playing ball so it's an intense film the end is absolutely bananas and can't really register it in my head at the moment uh but uh definitely worth a rewatch so that was my number six the lighthouse okay so my number five is a film which again we're now into the dubiousness i don't think this legitimately has come out yet but it's a film that i really enjoyed uh, it's called first cow and um yeah so this was midway through the year uh this this was in loads of lists and things like that as like the best films of the year so far um kelly reichart is the director it's kind of an old time western film but about like you know colonialism civilization and on blah 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 but done in a very 
good Indie way. I don't really want to. Yeah, yeah, the Indian, sorry. Um, or the native Aboriginal No, I said people. Indie. Oh, right. Yeah, no, they're, you know, Aboriginal. Very low-key. Native mean. people, yeah. um, First Nations people of North America. It's not anyway. like, um, when I mean Indie, it's not I like, know exactly you know, what you mean. Yeah. Very, yeah. The searchers, like. Exactly. So um, I actually don't really want to talk about it too much um, because it'll actually probably come out in a proper release that it sort of could deserves. potentially be my film of next year. It could well be. So it's called First Cow, yeah. and that's one that you'll have to um, get that old VPN fired up for. Okay, so my number five into the top fives now um, is another Netflix film, but which we saw in the cinema. It was one of our few group experiences uh uncut gems safty brothers film um absolute head melt of a film uh it stars adam sandler in one of his few roles that you know kind of admits that he's a serious actor the last time he did this was probably uh punch drunk love yeah he can really act um he's a new york jeweler who gets this uncut gem uh there's kind of a weird prelude to the film where it shows it being uh, taken out of a mine and kind of a whole series of events unfolds and uh, it just keeps getting ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. <laughs> Quite a shocking ending, um, but brilliant film. Great cinema experience as well because there was two uh, older women beside me and I remember when a certain thing happened, absolutely screamed. Uh, the scene continues where there's like a zoom in and <laughs> the lady goes like, Jesus, this is awful. <laughs> And I just thought that was very funny. Um, did they so, stay yeah. to the end, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. So Awful yeah, yeah. was probably praise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really liked it. Uh, Uncut Gems. Another Netflix film. I think Netflix is our biggest uh, studio, probably of our combined lists. Uh, so are you on to number four now, or five? Yeah. Four. Um, so five was First Cow, and yep. then Lover's Rock is number four. So this is the conversation that needs to be had where... Is this a film? So, to anyone who doesn't know, Steve McQueen directs films. And he made five films um, for, as part of his Small Axe anthology. And uh, they played, they were meant to play the Cannes Film Festival. Then they ended up opening the New York Film Festival, a collection of them. You know, they're all between 70 and 100 minutes. Like, they are films. But ultimately, most people who will have seen this will have seen it on BBC One um, TV, or if you're international, it went out on Hulu or Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, maybe. Um, so ultimately, it doesn't matter, and it is a film, and it's in my list. So deal, cool. deal with it. Which story so is it about? This one is um, Lovers Rock. is a, is a kind of reggae music, and this is basically a big ode to house parties and the energy that you get at a kind of house party. So it's all set in West London in all the five films are set in that in that area. So West London in the nineteen eighties, um black people typically held a lot of kind of private parties, blues parties or whatever you want, like where they had food, drinks, you know, a bit of space out the back. Kind of like the parties we all, you know, used to go to in, you know In our twenties. In your twenties. And there's just something in this that there's so much like there's a scenes of of people dancing and it's intoxicating like watching it where you're just like god i miss kind of people parties dancing gigs and music is so central to it that like you will want you know like i would never say let's put on 
you know, a reggae mix album. But when you a good when you're in a venue or a place and someone has the right mix of music and it's in context, it's phenomenal and it's so impactful. So um the reviews I've seen of this are kind of maybe and I might be wrong. It seems like this isn't the one with like much conflict in it. It's just it's the a lo- scene yeah. It's a lovely. Of, there's yeah. gentle allusions to like at a house party. There's always someone who's a bit drunk and a bit handsy, and you see that for a second, and then but then minutes later, those people are actually up on the dance floor dance. So you're actually like, oh, I guess that's sort of representative that there's no real threat in the whole thing. Race isn't really part of it. You know, there's no police presence because all the other ones all have, yeah. have question marks around them. So I just like this quote. I'll just read it out uh, because this person writes it better. So this is on vulture.com. I can't remember who wrote the review. Apologies. So a transfixing romance, not just between the two characters at its center, but one about the beauty of the human body, the succor of an energetic party and the possibility in the hush of a night. Kind of nice. Brilliant. So that's it. So that's Lover's Rock. Um, I don't know where you can, if you... Well, if, Prime or Hulu internationally. Yeah. And in, like, that's, I'm just curious how... RTE have no plans to show it now. I don't know what, what BBC's distribution relationships are like in Ireland. Like, they, they should. The biggest pain in the hoop that you can't get BBC iPlayer down here. Yeah, like or that why? there's not a legit way yeah. that they try. Like they could sell it. Like with "I May Destroy You," which is one of my. We're not talking about TV here, but that's just Michaela Cole's TV series um, that came out in around May or June. And yeah, I recorded them on the TV box, most of them, and then one of them failed, and you have to go and then find a dodgy yeah, or, yeah. Um, get your your VPN set up to access iPlayer. So yeah, it's very annoying because this is a great example of 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 an amazing film that needs to be seen by more people and if it was this could play in the cinema they could do really interesting things where they play yeah where they play them all so I don't know yeah okay so my number four is an also ran by Nigel Um, saw quite recently it's on in the lighthouse a kajillionaire I feel also ran's a bit harsh and nearly there nearly there we'll maybe rephrase that yeah kajillionaire saw quite recently uh, only last week was aware that it was kind of making its way into uh, end year list for people and I was like what is this? Uh, so it stars Evan Rachel Wood as Old Dolio, um, which just kind of makes me laugh saying that. And uh, yeah, she's the daughter of um, Richard Jennings. And um, I was trying to look up the um, the mum's name in it, and it was kind of quite hard to find her on IMDb. Apologies. Um, but they're all con artists, and they do kind of very low level cons, nothing too big. Um, just to kind of get by they live in uh, an office that is their home and it's below or beside uh, a bubble factory or a suds factory so the office leaks and there's this wall of bubbles that come down at different times that they have to mop Uh, it's incredibly odd but like has a good story in it which is in the trailer like there's a few some of the best visuals because it's not that visual of a film yeah. like there's loads of cool stuff in it but the cool scenes and the limbo scene to yeah. not be seen as they get in is in the trailer Brilliant. as well like um and then kind of about 20 minutes in uh gina rodriguez comes into the film and uh the parents kind of bring her in as a new person to help them scam and do different things and then it kind of brings up all this uh parental issues where uh old olio feels like the parents have never really been parents to her kind of frictions start happening between the family and it all starts to come apart amazing dinner table scene with the parents and the daughter fantastic ending there's one point in the middle where it goes a bit bananas uh where there's lots of earthquake throughout it and uh they're in uh 
uh, a restroom and like stars start appearing and I was like oh is this going to be the direction of the film now I was like brilliant this could be one of the best films ever made this is really up Porik's alley and um, but it kind of comes back to reality um but when I saw that I was just like oh yeah brilliant yeah it's very playful I think. yeah so really really liked it uh, it's still on in the lighthouse I'd say it'll be it'll come to like Voltaire YouTube quite soon as well so yeah. it's Cajillionaire and it's directed by Miranda Julie would highly recommend yeah Miranda into July, Nigel's top I three I think July July what did I say Julia mm. apologies that's okay um, Mark Kermode also absolutely hated it which I thought was funny yeah, no, I really, I really, really did like it. Like, I thought it was just good fun. And um, I don't know, did you ever watch or see any episodes of Jane the Virgin? But that's who Gina Rodriguez is. Oh, so playing okay. against type, like, it's, yeah. you know, it, but she's cool in it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my number three is a film you've already talked about. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. So um, I think you've pretty much covered everything that sort of worked, clicked with me in it. I think... Just nice to see a film about dealing with, you know, women making decisions and stuff. I kind of had an unanswered question in it, um, but maybe I was just reading too much into it, whereby it's alluded at the start, you know, there's kind of boys who are kind of making fun of her. But like part of me wondered, like her mom seems really sound, but the father figure in it, like, is that your dad or is it your stepdad? And also, is he actually the father of this baby? Because there's a certain scene when she's going to sleep and is a bit hesitant. And like, mm. there was part of me in my head where I was like, is he actually the dad? Um, but I don't know, you know. Yeah, I don't remember. Don't and just the way some of the questions are asked in the survey thing, you kind of get the impression that she may have been uh, raped or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's my number three. And that's on all those VOD platforms as you talked about uh what's your number three my number three is my only horror of uh the top 10 saint Maud. uh again saw quite recently um it's a fantastic film uh it's about a nurse uh, an end of life palliative care nurse um called Maud, and um i think the film is set in wales because there's a certain scene uh and it sounds like, oh, I thought that was Italian, but I think it's actually Welsh. And by looking up the person who plays Maud, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. It's like Merford Clark. And it's got two D's at the end. So I was like, that sounds like a Welsh name. Um, so she is kind of very religious. Um, she kind of feels that she is uh, trying to convert the people who are dying and that she's taken care of just to make sure that everything is good with them. You know, that they've ticked all the boxes and uh, squared all the circles with God. So the patient she's looking after at the moment is Amanda, who's played by uh, Jennifer Thiel. And uh, it's directed by Rose Glass. Uh, real slow burner. Like, the film is only about 90 minutes, and for about the first hour, it's like... There's something weird going on here. Certain things start happening, then there's a real jump-out-of-your-skin, terrifying moment where it was just like, Jesus. And from that moment to the end, it's just kind of really full-on. Um really really well directed there's lots of nods to older horror films in it i think so the character that she's looking after amanda um used to be a ballerina dancer so to me there's nods to suspiria in that um there's definite exorcist vibes in it and in tonally as well we were kind of like this is a bit unnerving and then certain things happen and you're like okay this has gone to a did, whole other level did it come out 
after I know it's in the cinema now and like I had every intention to see it in the last 72 hours but you know there's always a line in the sand where you're like right I need to just wrap up and work out what my best ones yeah. are so I will see it in the uh-huh. next few days but I won't I'm not having yeah. it now but it's in the cinema now was it there in I think it, Halloween like did they link it in is it beyond a Halloween I think it technically film? came or? in in maybe in November in the UK it got a release then but kind of with Wolf Walker's same vibe where like here was just shut down and it's down. only in the cinema as well which I admire, yeah. you know, fair play to them. That's the strategy mm-hmm. they've done. But um, when the cinemas I was looking at, uh, so in Santry and the Savoy Cinema, yeah. you're just like, uh, it's here, but you're not publishing any times. Can I buy a ticket? Is your cinema even open? And then I tried to ring them. They were all closed. And I was like, right, I'm not meant to see this film right now. Yeah. Because um, it was in the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin. Uh-huh. At, ridiculous times that just yeah, didn't work quite odd yeah yeah but um while worth getting to see and if you can is it a five screen, star are you at the rate of yeah five stars kajillionaire was five mod was five and you're next to and my next presumably two <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you're truly inverting the <laughs> so that the was strategy. my number three saint mod yeah very good so and mine was three so we're get, we're heating up there now we're probably getting into the uh into the business end of the countdown um, and it was, I think, as I was getting to this point and I was like, right, I know my top three and I isolated them and I was like, right, any of these on any given day could be the film that like clicked with me the most through the year. But um, yeah, like I, as you say, my top four were all like five star films in my head. So we, I could rotate them any which way. Yeah. You know? So I don't know if you've seen this, but it number two is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. No, yeah, I remember you speaking quite highly of it yeah. when you saw so it. So great, a great uh, lesbian French film, and uh, so I unfortunately one of, one of the regrets I have from this year is that I didn't actually get to see it in the cinema. So it was a home watch from from in the summer. Um, would love to see it in cinema if they do a thing. Any of the cinemas do a best of the year, like bringing back some of the films in case you miss them. I'd I'd imagine this will be in there, but. Um, it's uh, French from the French filmmaker Celine uh, Sciamma, Sciamma uh, and she has two actresses, Adele Heinel and Noemi Marion. And uh, this is basically an aristocrat and an artist who is commissioned to paint her portrait. And ultimately they fall in love. And um, to say any more, like it's just what they do, like with the, the, the gaze in the film. G-A-Z-E and the like the glances between the two of them and you don't get to see the way it's shot you don't really get to see much of um of it's not like blue is the warmest color no it's just it's just left it's just filmed so beautifully and just them kind of f- falling in love in the sense of the original sense of that word of like it you know mm. being an accident because they Any weren't meant to this is that untruth uh, or uh, I don't know um mm. But just some of the visuals from it, I think it's definitely the most visual, uh, visually beautiful film of the year. And so much of it has just been etched into my brain um, because it's near the sea as well. So it's a bit like, it's just, you know, when the, the opening when you see the portrait artist arriving, you know, she's coming off this tiny little boat carrying her big canvases to go and, you know, fall in, in on this, um, uh, like to go and do this commission work. Like it was a proper undertaking to go and do some of this work in, in, in France. Is it in French with subtitles? Uh, yeah. So the tiny bit pass. of trivia that I have for you. Yeah, pass. No, you should definitely watch it because it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but the director was one of the writers 
of my life as a courgette. Remember that film? Oh, wow. Very good. So Celine um, Schiama was one of them. And you didn't see a film from a few years ago, Girlhood. No, nothing to do with boyhood. But do you remember Girlhood from 2014? No. So another, um, just a kind of coming of age, a bit like Rocks, if that kind of thing of just teenage girls finding Mm. themselves. You should also watch that. Um, So that is my number two. And if I'd seen it in the cinema, it could nearly have been my one. But but yeah, we'll see. So your number two? My number two is another home watch uh, from Netflix, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, Yeah. Really, really loved this film. Didn't include it in my list. That could easily. Really, really liked it. Yeah. yeah. Cool, because I wondered, I was like, is this going to be Nigel's number one? Um, but I'm going to try and guess your number Unless one. I'm now. faking the number one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, it's um really sweet uh, story. Uh, stars Zach uh, Kotsagan. And um, he's kind of a young guy. I'd say maybe he's in his 20s or something like that. And uh, he has... Uh, down syndrome and um because of his situation and where he lives there is no place for him to go so he basically has to just go into like an old folks care home uh which is really sad because he's just like he has all the old folks like him but it's it's kind of unfair it's just like you shouldn't be in here you know it's not challenging him or educating no. him or working like developing him it's very much just like yeah so um he's a mad wrestler fan uh which is really sweet and he keeps watching this uh, wrestling video and wants to go and meet his wrestler so he kind of escapes from the old folks home um and then kind of goes in this adventure and bumps into Shia LaBeouf, who plays Tyler, who's also kind of uh, on the run. Uh, it's kind of revealed in playback or in flashbacks what what he's on the run from. And the two of them kind of form this uncharacteristic friendship and kind of are like, right, OK, we'll go and try and track down this wrestler guy. Um and yeah really nice story kind of like a modern day and they even allude to it at different times kind of huckleberry finn where they're kind of down south going trying to escape from the law and uh dakota johnson is zach's care worker who is kind of helping track them down um yeah really nice story resolves itself really nicely and uh yeah really worth looking and checking out it's also on netflix so peanut butter falcon yeah, I enjoyed all the wrestling elements to it because yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts was in it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was good. This year I watched more wrestling than ever before. I think we're all we're taking comfort in like, you yeah. know, lowest. I don't really have, I'm really struggling to guess what your number one could be. Oh, unless you haven't mentioned Tenet yet, but I don't think it could be Tenet. Uh, that's the only thing that's popping into my head. Have you any idea what my number one is? Yeah, so I'll tell you. Well, first of all, I think your number one could be Mank. I won't look at you. And my number one is Uncut Gems. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Great. So yeah. um, I, my, my note I wrote last night was just like, remember this? So January 2020, I think it was the only, as you say, collective group cinema experience, like packed like weekend night, maybe Saturday or Sunday night in, um, in the cinema. And uh, if it was our only film experience, at least it was a really good one. And it has sort of stuck um, with us so unrivaled tension and drama abound here as Adam Sandler he's a diamond rare jewel dealer um, lots of debt problems and I think you've talked about it a good bit but just we saw a little bit of the style that the Safdie brothers can bring with good time 
Um, but here they just kind of crank everything up to 11. I actually don't know much about them. I don't know if they're, if they drink or if they, you know, take drugs, but they are on a high energy caffeine fueled or whatever buzz here uh, in this film. And what I wrote down last night was that if it, it, it's a film that feels like you're being punched in the stomach as your head is sticking out the sunroof of a car as you're driving down a motorway really fast. That's how I was left to, to feel it in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a tiny bit of trivia. Try to guess how many times the F word is used in the film. Um, it's the fourth most in popular cinema history. So obviously there's some in there. It's Casino number one. Uh, it might be. I'm not, I or don't, it could be Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I'm going to say 147. 560. 560? <laughs> so Netflix have actually cleverly put together a montage themselves of all of the of all of them oh wow the netflix I'll film be checking club. that up after so uh yeah so that's that's me uh number one film of the year so any guesses on mine mank I think was it is not mank. it's not actually it's not. and i just realized i forgot to include it in uh, it I, doesn't I, deserve to be in there a i big had disappointment. i agree i quite liked it no i really I, did i think i gave it like four and a half stars but kind of thinking back over it i was like I don't know if I'd watch that again for like a couple of years, probably, yeah. and really loved it in the time. And it's kind of those ones where I saw it quite recently and I know I've included other films that I've seen recently and it kind of definitely bumped Mank. There's so. just something, obviously, with me, the performances in it were solid. It was a good, but it was a bit kind of clinical, a bit just like, here's a story, here's a formula for what could work with it. So didn't really, didn't move me. So then if it's not that... know okay so my number one film is from way back in january oh it's a three-hour film by one of my favorite directors terence malick's a hidden life poor like you just do these things for the attention this is like clickbait um so you've done a hidden life i loved a hidden life and uh i kind of tricked lisa into coming to see it whereby i was like look it's a terence it's she was like don't tell me anything about it i was like okay it's getting really good great reviews uh i know lisa hates terence malick is it getting great reviews it got great reviews at the time from terence malick fans fan message boards uh and boards.ie uh Lisa hated the Tree of Life and I kind of made her go to see that in the National Concert Hall so it was great and then when the credits came up that it was Terence Malick there was an audible groan uh, it's also quite long I didn't realise it was three hours long uh, so it's very intense so it's a true life story based on uh, Franz Jägerstatter um, who was an uh, Austrian conscientious objector and you also haven't seen the film, so like, you know. No, I know, I'm just helping. I'm having yeah. a bit of fun here. Um, but I do, I did have a, a, a career pivot on Terence Malick after. I liked The Tree of Life, but then I think he has, he has yeah, so lost I, his way a bit. Yeah, so I have seen but, a lot of those in-between films where they're quite experimental and a bit like, uh, so to me, this is more a return to form for him, where also it has lots of the Terence Malick tropes of whispering kind of the, the moving camera shots. But like, there is a very strong story here of... Uh, conscientious objector during world war ii um it looks like uh, the war is over and it's kind of coming to an end so it's like grand i won't have to be signed up and he then it turns out no like he's gonna have to serve and he's like well i'm not gonna swear in allegiance and like to me it's like it's a massive question in the film and just of 
what can one man achieve uh where it's just like do you just go with the flow uh, even though you don't really agree with it but you actually take a stand and say like no i'm not going to do that also marred with the fact that like he has a wife and kids so he's kind of putting his own above his family which kind of also has massive questions i think it's just asks lots of kind of big important questions it's uh, i really like the way it's shot and it's acted and like to me that's really important part of film and art so i just really really liked it um it's on you can watch it on sky movies and uh, would highly recommend cinema experience though so that's what it's all about yeah even if you are a big troll yeah i'm not a troll it's it's a great film yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, I, I haven't got to see it. But I think when you get something like that, that just hooks you in. Um, yeah, it was he? Did he do a new world as well? Was that the the Pocahontas one? I remember seeing that in the cinema. I hope that, I think that was Terrence. I, I should know. Um, and it felt like it had about four endings. And when there's people in the cinema who well, are there's lots of different actors who have appeared in his films, and then he's just cut them out after. And yeah. um, Christopher Plummer being a famous one, where he was just like, "Oh, I was supposed to be in that," and got cut out. Yeah. Um, so very good but th- what an interesting year I think between us then I I feel of my five never rarely sometimes always and Uncut Gems are the two that kind of also correlate uh, yeah. across you the didn't two have Parasite. Parasite is also oh, you there Parasite, yeah. Dick Johnson uh-huh. and then so we'd have yeah we'd and Kajillionaire we could come up with a shared five yeah what would we but my rating just to come up with the average Uncut Gems was one, while never really, sometimes always was three. What did you give Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems was five, and never rarely was nine. So probably Uncut Gems is our highest. There we go, with the yeah. highest average between the two of us. So Congratulations to Adam Sandler. we we'll, film of the year. Yeah, we'll get in touch with Adam and get it across if the... Um, Might get just it on if, some posters if it gets a re-release. If you freight, know? Yeah, just we'll need freight because I think it has to go through the UK land bridge. So it might take a couple of days to get there. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Um, very good. Will we take a little quick, a little clip to close us out? I have a quick clip from Uncut Gems here if we want. Perfect. So this is just a little bit from the beginning and it's Howard Ratner, um, who is Adam Sandler's character, just introducing the Red Opals, making a pitch to a buyer who... I think the buyer is the basketball player, um, Kevin Garnett. And this was the year in cinema. I think we will have to do our 101st episode of the podcast as a um, as a kind of a look back through some of the other best films we've had over the decade. Because we'll have 10 years now of bests and we'll do a bit. We, we thought about clocking them all in here, but, you know, it's been a long year. Yeah. It's, I think people can only handle so much. So, so we just look forward to 2021. Yeah, lots of recommendations here. If there's one Christmas film that you're going to try to dig out and watch again oh, over kinda the break haven't, haven't seen the heavy hitters yet haven't seen home alone or uh die hard or scrooge to those and we'll probably watch it's a wonderful life as well very good very how good. about you i think i want to watch klaus which is a new christmas film but yeah of the um of the classics carol told me uh she has probably seen love actually too many times so needs to give it a break for a little while i was shocked that's i nice. believe she has seen it about 50 times so yeah that's what that's how many times that it's film, already so. been watched in this house yeah so there we go so um i think it has to be 30th anniversary uh home alone will be the one that i'll be oh, 30 years wow 30 years yeah um so that's it so here is a clip from uncut gems it's on netflix it is the spool podcast film of the year 2020 thanks very much for listening to the year bye check this out oh no all right so these are black jews all right they're stranded in the middle of ethiopia it's deep stranded 
Yeah, look at they got nothing. They don't got cars. They don't got. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, what the are these guys wearing? Look, it's on the Torah there. It's everywhere, right? This where do these guys get precious black opals? That's what that is. The black opal. I do my research. These guys live near the whale mines, which primarily is red opals, which aren't worth. Okay. Oh, okay, but these, these mm. you can't get your hands on these things, you understand? Really? So look, I say to myself, how am I going to hold of these guys? And I managed to track these guys down, I buy one from them. Holy <laughs>